There's no hiding the truth about you to God. He knows all your secrets, but don't let that scare you. Knowing this truth can be the most healing truth ever. I'm going to show you why. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, here to shut down the enemy's lies in your life. I do it live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org live. Join us live sometime, will you? We'd love to have you. Okay. For most people, one of the scariest things in the world is to feel completely known, like totally exposed. That's probably why one of the most common nightmares has to do with showing up at school or work or somewhere, well, naked. It's said that these dreams come from a fear of vulnerability, which seems like we all have. And I'm not just talking about people knowing your true political preference or what you look like without makeup or that you cheated your way through algebra, but knowing everything Every past behavior, thought, word, probably worse. Every present thought, word, action, weakness, sin, struggle. You know, it's one thing for people to know the things in your past, right? Those can be embarrassing, of course, but at least you can claim it's all under the blood. But the present stuff and even the future stuff, know what you just thought about that person that walked by, to know what website you'll visit tomorrow, to know the things that aren't so overcome or fixed as you'd like people to believe. Come on, we're getting real here. I can't think of many things that would be more scary than people to know all that. That fear is the reason why I kept people at a distance like far away for so many years because there were things about me that I did not want people to know or hear or see the light of day. So I built up tremendous walls and I put barbed wire on top of the walls and just kept people far away from the threshold of my secrets, far from them being able to deem me a monster with six heads, 11 eyes, and a stench. Well, it's no wonder why until like really my early 30s, sadly, nearly every single person in any kind of a relationship with me felt that they just could not get close. For years, I wouldn't let anyone in because I was certain that if they saw the real me, that they'd reject me. And I'm willing to bet that most of you listening can relate. Probably all of you listening can, if we're honest. We all have secrets that we're afraid people will know, that we're afraid if they find out will disqualify us in some way, maybe get you kicked off the prayer team or the worship team at church, or in the least regarded as a little less spiritual and put together than maybe you want people to think. Well, how does it make you feel to know that you're not fooling God? And I'm not saying this in any kind of a condemning way, trust me. But God sees behind the mask. He sees behind the walls. He's the all-seeing eye, the ever-presence with you wherever you go. You can't even go to the bathroom without God. 
talk about exposure. Well, how does that make you feel? A lot of people don't like to think about that. And if they do, it's one of the main reasons why they can't believe that God loves them. Because they know what God has seen, they know what God knows, and they probably think that because they couldn't love someone like them, how can a perfect, holy God love someone with such secrets? That thought freaked me out growing up. It probably didn't help that the image I had of God from my childhood church was like somber and kind of angry looking. Every statue and picture I saw of Jesus back then looked like he was in agony over me, ready to zap me dead for my every mistake. So, of course, I didn't want to entertain the idea that God knows everything about me. Yet it's truer than true. I know that there's some modern ideas kind of circulating these days that somehow God doesn't know everything, which is just crazy to me. Because you'd have to throw away huge chunks of scripture to believe that. The Bible says that he sees the end from the beginning. In Psalm 139, David said, you know everything about me. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You know everything I do. You know everything I'm going to say even before I say it. He said, you go before me and follow me. He's seen some things. He's heard some things. And those of you who live in my area near I-4 in Central Florida, I know that he's heard some things while you're in traffic. Don't get all self-righteous on me. I know. To the prophet Jeremiah, God said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And that's in the Old Testament. What David said there in Psalms is in the Old Testament. There are plenty of examples of God's omniscience, that's the theological word for his all-knowingness. There are plenty of examples of that in the New Testament, too. Jesus discerned the thoughts of the religious leaders. He saw right through them. He called out the future betrayals of Judas and Peter. We're going to talk a little more about that later. But let's get back to you. Even though you've likely managed to keep people from knowing everything, seeing everything, hearing anything or everything, you have not succeeded with God, obviously. And for many people, that's scary. Maybe your heart is racing right now as you listen. You'd think Jeremiah would have been scared. He was an introverted, sensitive, kind of depressed, single man. God knew all the downsides of his design. Yet he maintained an intimate relationship with God and was able to do the difficult and sometimes confusing things that God had asked him to do. If God's omniscience should have freaked anybody out, I'd say it would have been David. Think about the kinds of things that God knew about David. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and then plotted to have her husband killed. The thoughts that come with those kinds of actions are scandalous enough, much less the actions themselves.
Yet David maintained perhaps one of the most intimate relationships with God as anyone in Scripture. In fact, if you continue in Psalm 139, just after he reveals everything that God knows about him, he actually invites God further into his thoughts. In verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What? Invite the judge of all the world deeper into his already dark and disturbing thoughts? Why would David do this? Isn't it just asking for a smiting? Well, maybe if God's only quality were that he's all-knowing. But anyone who trusted God and maintained an intimate relationship with him like Jeremiah and David was able to do so because they knew something about God that actually made them grateful for his all-knowingness. Something that turned his all-knowingness from a quality to be feared to a quality that brought safety and deep intimacy with God. They knew God's quality of unfailing love. Jeremiah 31.3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. I have drawn you to me with my love. David said the same. It's all over the Psalms, but one example is in Psalm 138.8. David boasted, For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Whether Jeremiah or David, God knowing all about them wasn't a scary thing because they knew that his love was unconditional. In fact, like I said a minute ago, knowing that God knew all about them probably made them appreciate and feel his love even more. I mean, isn't that how it is with human relationships? When you think about your spouse or a close friend, wow, they don't know everything about you, I'm sure. The fact that they love you despite what they do know about you, well, that helps you to really receive their love, doesn't it? It builds intimacy, doesn't it? I'm telling you, that's how it is with God. If you can get the fact that he fully loves you with everything that he knows about you, man, that's going to help you feel it. That's going to heal you more than a thousand hands laid on you, more than a hundred jars of anointing oil slathered on you. It's going to heal you more than any self-deliverance book could. It's one thing to know that you're loved. It's another thing, a healing thing, to know that you're fully known and fully loved. That there's not a secret that could be exposed that could cause you to be rejected and unloved by God because he knows it all. They're all known. This is the truth that took down my walls, removed the shame, launched me into ministry, and allowed me to finally let some people in too. I'd say the realization of it was a gradual thing for me, but it was kick-started at a time when I was apologizing to God for myself. You know, the kind of thing like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry that I did this and thought this and am this. And I don't quite remember how I came across the verse, if it was 
part of some devotional or if I just kind of flip to a page, I don't remember. All I know is that the verse was just there when I needed it. And it's Ephesians 1.4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now let's unpack this verse in a personal way. I pray this renews your mind. Even before God made the world, whatever age you put on the earth, it's been around far longer than any of us can fathom. It far predates when your existence became news to your parents, obviously. God knew you before the oldest thing that you've ever put your eyes on. Like he said to the prophet Jeremiah, he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. Even before he formed mother nature. And knowing you, he knew all about you. Like David said in Psalm 139, God knew all of your delicate parts. He knew how wonderfully complex you are. And some of you are pretty complex. Way back then, he knew what you're thinking this very moment, what you'll say tomorrow, what you'll stumble on next week, next year, next decade. Nothing about you surprises God. That's called being fully known. And like I've been saying, that could be scary. If people knew everything that God knows about you, they wouldn't even choose you for the dodgeball team. You wouldn't even choose you. But God did. Knowing the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life well before he made dirt, he still decided to bring you into existence. He wasn't afraid of your dysfunction, your disability, your disease, your sin, your struggle, your symptoms, whatever. Not from yesterday, today, or tomorrow. That's because, as the verse says, he decided to overlook it all. Because he knew his plan for Jesus. He knew that Jesus was going to do something that would make none of it matter. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So back then, God knew that Jesus would die to make you flawless and faultless, whole and holy. Get this. There's a lifetime of healing in this if you can get this. This is what God helped me to get that day when I saw this verse in a fresh way. The verse says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Love was the motivator for your choosing and your cleansing. This love that God created you out of, this love that God sent Jesus to die to prove, this love is not based on any condition. It's not based upon your flesh being fixed, your emotions getting all balanced out. It's not based on how hard you try to not sin. The love God always had and will always have for you is not based on any condition, no demand. It's based on him who does not change. You see, this is where we have it better. A greater understanding today than anybody did in the Old Testament. They knew love as a quality of God, which yes, as David and Jeremiah said there, 
they knew is faithful and everlasting. That's huge, of course. But through Jesus, God revealed that love isn't just a quality. He revealed that he is love. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. He can't help but to love because he is love. He loves you without demand because he is love. He loves you knowing everything about you because he is love. Nothing can separate you from his love because he is love. He proved that love by sending Jesus to die for you on the cross. And on the basis of what Jesus' sacrifice accomplished, he made you whole and holy. What a love. Fully known, fully loved, that's you. Now that doesn't sound so scary, right? Doesn't the fact that God knows you completely, yet loves you completely, just up your intimacy with him? Doesn't that make you feel safe? Doesn't that like cast out fear from your life? That's why the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. That's why Paul said that God's love is what strengthens and empowers us. Ephesians 3.17, Paul said, Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Verse 19, he prayed, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now today, science allows us to see the power of love on a physical and psychological level. They've studied it and they've found babies in an environment of love develop faster. People who know that they are loved heal faster, like wounds and physical things heal faster. An environment of love, an environment of love helps people break addictions and toxic thought and behavioral cycles. Most of the time, those things started in the first place because of a lack of love. People were trying to find it and they got off track to certain substances and people and things. So it makes sense that when you know true love, that those things would start to break. God designed his love to be the greatest necessity in life, the fuel for growth, the agent of change. But should the power of love really surprise us? We were each made by love, with love, and for love. Our bodies work the way they are supposed to work when they get what they need, what they were designed for. I think that a lot of the growth that we experience from love comes from the fact that, as I said, there's a safety in it establishes an environment of safety. And that safety helps us to take the risks of what God asks us to do. Like I said regarding the people in the Old Testament, knowing that they were known and loved is what maintained and grew their intimacy. But it's also what empowered them to do what God asked them to do. It's what gave Jeremiah the safety to prophesy some of the weird things that God asked him to say. It's what gave David the safety to invite God deeper into his thoughts, into his sometimes dark mind, 
mean, practically, it's what empowered him to be the king of Israel and to face the enemies that God asked him to face. Not easy things. But he was safe in love. Well, we see the same in the New Testament. Actually, there are two specific stories in the New Testament that show the stark difference between someone who made a big mistake and didn't know that they are still loved versus someone who also made a big mistake but came to discover that they are still loved. These are the stories of Judas and Peter. At the Last Supper, Jesus told Judas and Peter they would betray him in their own ways. Judas would give up Jesus for some money. Peter would deny knowing Jesus three different times during Jesus' arrest. At the time that Jesus foretold this, neither could accept that they do such things. I don't think they wanted to do such things. And I'd say that's true for us too. There are many things that we do that we don't want to do. Things that we'd hate to hear God say that we're going to end up doing in the future. And well, you know the story of Judas and Peter. They did just as Jesus knew and said they would. Now here's the interesting thing. After they committed their acts, both felt sorry for what they did. They both felt remorse. The Bible says Judas repented. The Bible says Peter left and wept bitterly. Unfortunately, that guilt and shame and remorse is what led Judas to hang himself. And Peter, well, he went away and it looks like he went into hiding for a while. So if I might make a point here, because sometimes I get criticized for being too positive about failure. I have people complain, you aren't preaching repentance. And I say, sure I am. I just don't believe that repentance is all about feeling bad about yourself. From the stories of Judas and Peter alone, remorse and guilt alone don't lead to anywhere good. Judas killed himself over it. Peter got caught up in depression. True repentance, which means a change of mind, is about remembering how good God is and what Jesus did as a solution to your failure. It's about changing your mind from my dad is mad and going to punish me to my dad loves me and wants to help me. It's what draws you to him. Guilt and shame and wallowing in sorrow only keeps you away from him. And that story has been demonstrated time and time and time again throughout the Bible, starting with Adam and Eve and then again through Judas and Peter. But knowing that your father loves you, wants to help you. That understanding of God's love. Well, that's the understanding that eventually led Peter to preach the gospel in Pentecost in a way that led 3,000 people to the Lord in that day. A single day. It's what led him to have the boldness and safety to become the faith leader that Jesus said he'd become. You see, after Jesus resurrected, he found Peter back fishing, discouraged after a night of catching nothing. From there, he took Peter aside. 
And then chastising with, how could you betray me like I said you would? It wasn't an, I told you so. He actually didn't mention Peter's failure at all. He sat with him and talked with him. I'd say, he loved him. And you can read the conversation. He kept encouraging him to get on doing what he was made to do. So I submit to you that the difference between Judas going to the noose and Peter coming out of depression and becoming all that Jesus said he'd be was the revelation that he was fully known and fully loved. And I submit to you that that's going to make all the difference in your life too. The shame that the devil has used to hold you back from pursuing that dream or calling, well, that's going to melt away when you know that you are fully known and fully loved. The paralyzing fear that people might find out some secret about you, that's going to get expelled when you know that God already knows it and loves you with it. The guilt that makes you believe that you can't talk to God or ask God or expect anything of God for you know a few days or even weeks after it, well, that goes when you know that none of it changed his love for you. I'm telling you, deliverance from insecurity and rejection and shame and nervousness and discouragement, suicidal ideation, addictions, all the toxic stuff. It comes from knowing the truth that you are fully known and fully loved. Power to step out and pursue the things that God has placed in your heart comes from knowing the truth that you are fully known and fully loved. The empowerment to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind comes from knowing the truth that you are fully known and fully loved. I'm in ministry today because God changed my stinking thinking with this truth. I take all the risks I take because of this truth. I have finally been able to develop deep friendships because of this truth. And frankly, this truth is the only thing that has gotten me out of bed some mornings. It healed me. It delivered me. It empowers me. And it'll do the same for you. Because I know, I have experienced it. It is true what they say. You only feel as loved as you feel that you are known. Well, friend, with God, you have as much of both as you can get. Knowing all about you, God loved you first. Knowing the most about you, God loves you most. And no matter what you do in the future, God will always love you. You are fully known and fully loved. Okay, you know, nobody really needs reminders of their flaws. We don't have trouble knowing those, do we? They're usually front and center on our minds, and the devil definitely works to keep them there. What we do need are reminders of grace. That's what the renewal of the mind that Paul talks about is all about. Well, much of what we produce as a ministry are tools to keep you reminded of grace. The t-shirt that I'm wearing here, it's one of those tools. It says, fully known, fully loved, and it references Ephesians 1-4 under that. Well, this shirt is available to you now. Not only is it super soft, 
unisex true to size. And it's this great color that I love. It's kind of a bluish green matte color with a heathered texture. But its message is a simple, fun way, really, to keep your mind renewed to the truth about you. But it's also an effortless way for you to share this healing truth to others. The Bible says the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Who knows what might happen in the heart of someone who sees you wearing this message? You don't even have to open your mouth. The Holy Spirit will do something through what they see. It's also a great way to support our ministry and everything we do. All the proceeds from it go to support our broadcast, the free Shut Up Devil app, everything that we do. This fully known, fully loved t-shirt is available in sizes small to double extra large. And you may order yours today for you and your family at kylewinkler.org slash shirt. That's kylewinkler.org slash shirt. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you. We're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.